The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab. Aminadab became the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon became the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph. Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud. Abiud became the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok. Zadok became the father of Achim, Achim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eleazar. Eleazar became the father of Matan, Matan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of her was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. The Gospel of the Lord. This reading comes up twice a year today, and it comes up also at the uh, afternoon Mass on the Vigil of Christmas. It's what we would usually celebrate as a children's Mass. And this year, we're going to have an early afternoon Mass uh, at four, but uh, I'm, I never read the whole reading on that day because there's a lot of kids present, and they, of course, would be bored to tears with all those names. I'm kind of bored when I do it, except... Um, so I just read the end, and it's a different ending in, on uh, Christmas Eve. Now, I get the prize today for all those names. So that's a hard list of names, a hard list, you know. But it's an important one for us because it does a few things. First of all, I recommend that uh, if you are historically uh, um, curious and, and like this kind of stuff in the Scriptures, if you go to the... Um, daily readings in the usccb.org and if you just click on the um, on the gospel notation uh, it is Matthew 1 verse 1 to 17 it will open up the passage I just read to you it's I think it's pretty much the, the whole first chapter but the footnotes is where it's all gets interesting and it goes through all these names and and all their significance I mean, the, the the most simple significance is this we start with Abraham, not Adam and Eve. Abraham is the first person who historically we know knew God. That's the one that God revealed himself to. In fact, as we often say, both in scripture and in the prayers of the church, Abraham, our father in faith, because he was the first to know this God. 
So it begins with Abraham and it goes through all these different people, mainly the male line, although strangely in a genealogy, and this is very odd, a few women names come in. And some of them were uh, not uh, Jewish women. Some, they just, it's a very interesting list. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking Filipinos and Latinos alike. Am I the only gringo here? I am, huh? Oh, my God. Huh? Is there another one? No. Who? Are, no, but you're Latino. You're not a gringo. Do you know how many years I've been a priest for and I've been the only gringo at the Mass? My goodness. Well, when I went back to Kansas the first time, my, both my parents, you've heard this, uh, there were 13 brothers and sisters uh, in their families. And I think my great-grandma had 24 kids. It was just like, you know, those, those kind of families, farm families. Um, when I went back, well, seven, uh, I think seven or eight uncles and aunts lived out here. They were brothers and sisters of my dad. So I knew half of his aunts and uncles. And then there were a few that visited once in a while from Kansas, but there were a lot I'd never met. So I remember the first time I went with my dad and mom, my dad went every year to visit Kansas, but I went when I was about 14. I was aghast. I had so many cousins and so many second cousins and my dad and my mom, especially my dad, would start right away. Well, you know who that is. His mom and dad is that. And that's the cousin of this one. And they, he would do this thing, tell this line. And it really made me appreciate not only how large my family was, but all of the connectedness. So, so there are all these names, not just Liker and Gashler, but um, 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 Gable and Seibel and, and Roar and just endless, endless names. I never could keep it straight. A few I could. But this is what Jesus our Christ comes out of, this long line, 2,000 long year history, passing on of faith and a belief, growing together more and more, going through tremendous struggles, having an extraordinary history. And it culminates, it comes to this big kapow at the end, when Jesus is Christ, the Christ is born of Mary. This is one of the two great, great, great mysteries and, and celebrations uh, that are the most important to us. The incarnation, the birth of Christ, the, the entering of God into the human flesh, incarnate, carnation, and the redemption, his death on the cross. So these are the two bookends that that celebrate these 33 years of life of Jesus the Christ, so important to us. I noticed in uh, the responsorial psalm something different than I had before as I was listening to the verses being read. And this is what it said, which I think kind of grabs hold of it. It says... Um, well, it mentions all the things he shall defend the afflicted among the poor, save the children of the poor. But it said this, justice shall flourish in his days and profound peace till the moon be no more. Justice shall flower, flourish. We kept saying that justice shall flourish in his time, fullness of peace forever. And you know, I, I think it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. It's not just, well, kind of happened. Jesus came into the world and he brought 
through himself, through him who was the word, and through the words that the word of God brought to us, he brought us the, the fullness of peace. He taught us, he showed us what peace means, what justice means. He spoke against the powerful. He, he, he in, in enshrined in himself that phrase that uh, Jesus came to um, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. You know, when we get too comfortable, um, uh, we need to be afflicted. We need to be shaken up, challenged. If we get too comfortable thinking that we're so smart and we have all the answers and all the words, and I'm including myself, I know everything. I don't. And so I need sometimes to be shaken up and, and almost embarrassed by, oh my God, I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. How stupid I can be. Jesus came to afflict the comfortable, but he came to bring comfort to the afflicted. Justice and peace flourishing in his time and fullness of peace forever. And I think for me, not only does that reveal itself in his preaching and in his teaching and in the way he lived, the people he gathered with most, the sinners, prostitutes and tax collectors, constantly, constantly criticized for it, but he brought salvation to them. He brought people who were not at peace into peace. He brought justice to them because they were outcasts of everyone, just disregarded, judged by their lifestyle or their circumstances. But he brought justice. He made them equal to everyone else. That's who Jesus was. That's what Jesus did. But the best, for me, the best was the cross. And I've said it a thousand times. Here's a thousand and one. He's on the cross. He has been spit on and stripped and beaten and ridiculed and forced to carry the cross in tremendous physical pain, tremendous emotional pain, tremendous social pain, rejected. And with all of that on his plate, the justice and peace that flows out of his mouth, Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. We are so blessed as believers in Jesus the Christ, as Christians, followers of the Lord, to have a message that is so transformative. You know, when we look at the world and look at the, the, the niches that people get themselves into, the judging and the hating and the wars and the, all of the craziness. We look at, look at Nigeria, this, this Boko Haram or whatever you call them. Again, can you imagine capturing 600 or 300 or 400 whatever kids and taking them out of a school, taking them away from their families? I guess, to train them for battle and, and to prostitute the girls. Wow. We need so much the message of justice and peace that it will flourish in our world, flourish in each of us, flourish in our homes and our families. So as we ready ourselves for this Feast of Christmas, we, we, I just again repeat our homework is, Lord, come into my life. Be born again into me deeper, deeper, deeper. And I hope that the, the most important gift that you and I open up this Christmas day will not be a material thing, but a, an amazing spiritual reality of Christ born anew, born again into our lives.